but Jesus was not there. And so Mark ends his gospel account of the resurrection with no Jesus around. In fact, he tells him to go on to Galilee and go on to Jerusalem because he'll meet you on the way. But he's not here. He's not here. And actually, the same thing happens here in John's account. So John chapter 20, right before we get to our text here, the exact same thing. The women are there first. They all have the same account on this. They're very adamant about it. The women are there first. And then John and Peter get there. You remember in John's gospel, by the way, it's kind of funny, actually, because they're both running. I don't know if we have any runners in here, um, but, whoa, I know Joe, yeah, Joe and I, I know are runners because we were the only ones who represented Harvest Point in the color run. Uh, and so, and we did pretty well, I might say for myself, so, say so myself there, Joe. I, in fact, I won a little medal, just to be honest with you. I didn't even tell anybody that until, until just now. I mean, it's a ribbon, not necessarily a medal, but it's still a, I placed, okay? And, uh, and so did Joe. Joe got first in his uh, age group. I got third, so... Uh, we kind of got the whole gamut of, of kind of, the th- we just needed the second place winner there somewhere. But nonetheless, uh, there's a lot of running in John. In John's gospel, there's a lot of running. Everybody's running to the tomb after they hear this news because the women go first. They get this report, notice this, from a young man. They get this report from an angel. In John's gospel, it's an angel, clearly. And they run back to tell the disciples because that's what they're told to do. And Peter, remember this? So they go tell the disciples and then Peter. Well, they do that, and so here goes Peter. He takes off, and, and so does John. But John's younger, and that has something to do with, with winning a race. And so actually, uh, he gets there first, and, um, but he doesn't go in, interestingly. Instead, Peter goes straight in when he gets there, though. Uh, maybe John was a little nervous, I don't know. But either way, they go in, and guess what? No Jesus. He's not there. He's not there. His body's not there. He's gone. He's not here. Just as, he, just, as the, just as the angel reported, just as the women reported, now they too become witnesses. He is not here. This is where they laid him, but he is not here. He's not here. <laughs> and so, notice what happens now. We, we, we come into our story now with that in mind, okay, that context in mind. This is the, notice, this is, that was early in the morning. This is on the evening of that day. What day? Easter day. What day? The first day of the week. What day? The eighth day. Remember, we talked about the eighth day. You get seven days that make a week. And then there's the eighth day, which is a new day. It's a new week. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's today. We're in a new week, right? It's April. The, the, the weather's great. It's a new day. And we can begin to feel that. And Easter just happens, think about this, just happens to be around the time of the year when everything is coming to life. Do you think that was a mistake? That Christ rose from the dead in the springtime? No, it's not a mistake. No, it's not a mythical overhang or some kind of pagan borrowing. No, instead, historically and in actuality, he rose from the dead in my birthday month, April. Is that cool? I came to life, 1981. Been around for 40 years, you know. (laughs) Be celebrating that April 26th, so... And notice what he says here. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, get this. They're scared of the Jews because, again, they just murdered Jesus. They just watched him hang on a cross 
At least John did. And he's the one writing here. He was there. Remember? Nobody else was there. None of the other disciples. But John was there because Jesus said, take my mother. This is your son. Son, this is now your mother. It's a beautiful scene there. John was there. And now, even though the doors are locked, even though they're, they're stymied in fear, which is what the enemy always wants to do to us, isn't it? He wants to insert things in our life that bring about fear, that bring about paralyzing anxiety. So we're just stuck. And we're locked in. And we're quarantined. But that doesn't stop Jesus, does it? No, he can break through all of that, can he? You believe that? You should believe that. Even if we're locked in our sin, he can break us out. We can't break out. We can't break out of our sin. We can't forgive our own sin. We can't just say, you know, (laughs) there's a... This is a funny video. Oh, man, I shouldn't even introduce this. But there's a super funny video about, like, people dealing with anxiety, you know. And, and so the lady comes in, and she sits down, and it's like a counselor guy, you know. And, and she's like, you know, I'm just really, like, struggling. And, and, you know, I just I worry about this all the time, and it's really da-da-da-da. And then he goes, okay, yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. I really do. Stop it! Just stop it! Stop! And she's like, what? But, 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 stop! You know, you just keep saying stop. It's super funny. You ought to look it up. But that used to be my mentality about anxiety and those kinds of things. Like, just, just stop doing it. You know? Just like, I'm really worried about this thing. Well, just stop. Like, think about something different. Until I had my own anxiety. Until I had my own bout of depression. Until I dropped into a dark place. And it's not as easy as just, stop it! We really can't stop it on our own. But, Jesus, even when the doors are locked, even when our walls are up, he can come through. I don't mean some mystical character. I mean the risen, living Lord. The Lord of history. The creator of all things. The one who knows you and saw you before you ever even were conceived. And he sees you now. He sees you with real eyes. Not just in some mystical way. He has a real body that came back to life. We talked about that, right? Anastasis. Resurrection. He is glorified. So that Jesus... Not one that's made up in our head. Not one that we make an idol of. But rather the real Jesus that walked among us. That became one of us. That lived a sinless life and died on the cross and then resurrected. That Jesus shows up and stands among them. Now, sometimes it's really good to just, when we're reading the scripture, to put ourselves in that story. Now... (laughs) You would think they would be super excited to see Jesus. They're fearing the Jews, we're told. And you'd imagine they'd be super excited to see Jesus. But just notice the text. He stood among them. He says, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad they saw the Lord. Can I read that again? Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. 
Because you see, unlike Jesus, they didn't have a spotless record. He never abandoned them. He never betrayed them. He was faithful to all of us to the end. And in fact, did something that would, would take only the love of God. And that is from the very cross, hanging there, naked. You were crucified naked. Beaten, beyond recognition. Spat upon. Forced with a mockery of a crown. On display for all. Being murdered. Falsely accused. Lied about. You would imagine he would come back with some words of rebuke. <laughs> and probably not happy about their conduct. If he is their teacher, he needs to get on to them. But is that the first thing out of his mouth? Remember, remember, they've not met the Lord yet. This is the meet. We're reading the meet, the first meeting of the disciples when they see Jesus. Because remember, last week we left you with, he's not here. He's risen. Well, we hadn't seen him. Now we see him. Now they see him. And the first thing out of his mouth is shalom. That's what he would have said to them. Because that's the greeting of Jews. Even to this day, it is. Shalom. Which is to say, peace be with you. And, in, and also with you. That's the response back. Like that's how Jews communicate when they first see one another. Isn't that how we communicate in our liturgy, isn't it? Peace be with you. See? Look at there. Peace. Not anger. Peace. Not him mad. Peace. And it's not just cheap peace. Shalom has a little bit more than what our definition of peace. It has the idea of harmony. It has the idea of completeness or wholeness. If something is shalom at peace, then it's whole. It's like it's supposed to be. Can you imagine as they're sitting there thinking, when he gets here, is he going to call me out? I mean, I heard him say, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. I know I'm going to get called out because I was the first to run. You know, if we were there that night and the prison or the uh, temple guards came and were arresting him. Or if the government came and arrested me right now. Would any of you run? I don't know. You don't want to lose your house. You don't want to lose your freedom. They ran. No matter what you did, they ran. They left him alone. And then Peter even cursed. I don't know him. So you can imagine Peter just kind of, because you know, when you, when you get sideways with somebody, and then you, you, know, you end up seeing them again, you're like, oh, man. anybody ever been there before? It's like, yeah, I got a couple people that's like, oh, yeah, man, I, I live there, you know what I mean? Um, it's like, you see them in the group, you're like, oh, man. You know, oh, and then you know you're going to bump. And it's one of those things, they know you saw them, and you saw them, but you try to act like you didn't see them, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, I, I just always, I'm just like, all right, you, yourself, you got to go on over there and make things right. And they were probably wanting to make things right, but before they can ever even say a thing, 
Jesus says, peace. Peace. Don't you think that rang in their ears pretty, pretty loudly? Let me tell you something. If you don't know the peace of Christ today, you must ask him for peace. I've been without the peace of Christ for a little while. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. And my wife <clears throat> and those close to, super close to me can, can certainly attest to this. And it's not that I put on a show the times I've been up here even preaching without complete peace in my life. Um, it's that I still trust in him. Does that make sense? It means that we're right in the middle of the storm. But I'm saying, you've got to still show up. Why? Because I trust him, that's why. And just recently, <laughs> I passed through the dark wood into the light again. And we even sang a song, thank you, Rachel, at the end of, uh, you know, I can see clearly now the rain is here. Like, that's my story because all of a sudden, his peace again, I could feel it. You see, his peace never left me. That's the reality. His peace never left me because his presence never left me. But he wanted me to search for him. He wanted to play a little game like you do with your kids sometimes where you go and hide. And you ever seen their face when they find you again? Now, you could just come in, you know. Like, you can make your interest, like, hey, guys, I'm here again. You know, I say, oh, yeah, dad's here, whatever. But then all of a sudden, if you're like, Here's what I do. You know, I do this sometimes. Like, everybody's like, what? Who is that? Who is that? Right? And then, boom, I appear. And then, and then my little girl runs up, grabs my leg. My little guy comes, and they're happy to see me. Let me just tell you, I know now, I've lived a lot of my life in the peace of Christ. Feeling it. Knowing it. Now I've got some scars, but also have his peace. It's a deeper peace than even what I experienced before. And his face is more beautiful to me than ever before. His presence is more cherished than ever before. He tested me to see why I was in it. He wanted to know what I was made of, what my faith was made of. Did I really trust him? Would I seek him? If you don't feel the peace of Christ, if you don't know the joy of the Lord today, you can seek that and find it. He wants to give it to us. But sometimes we think he's hiding from us when in fact he's not at all. He's wanting us to give up ourself or give up a sin or go out of our comfort zone to find him. Because what you kind of end up realizing as a Christian is you are your own worst enemy. It's not everybody else's fault. It's not the world's fault. Ultimately, the line of evil runs right through our heart. Now, he, <laughs> Jesus offers peace, and then guess what he does? He shows him his scars. Because why? Because the resurrection does not eclipse his suffering. That's why. The resurrection doesn't, doesn't just seal those wounds up. 
Instead, he carries those marks with him. Isaiah says this prophetically. He says it in Isaiah 49. This is Yahweh talking. I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Do you realize that crucifixion in the, in the 7th century B.C., that they didn't have crucifixion. It wasn't invented. That nasty way of execution wasn't even invented yet. And yet, and yet, God is prophesying about himself to say, how could I forget you, O Israel, O people of God? I've, engra- I've engraved you on the palms of my hand. And hasn't he? Hasn't he? Our Lord hung on the cursed tree for us in our place. Mm, thank you, Jesus. What a, what a God. Like, what, what other kind of God would show up like this? I mean, you realize, like, in the old... Jessica was just... I asked her to read her devotion to me the other day, and it, was, it just happened to be an amazing story in Judges. It's about Samson. I won't go into it because it's, it's like a triune chapter. You get the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the book of Judges of all places. It's beautiful. Anyway, the, the point is, when Manoah and his wife realize that they've seen God in the form of an angel that's prophesying about the baby Sam, Samson, they say, oh my goodness, we're toast. We're done. We've seen God. That means we're going to die. Because the general understanding was, if you see God, you're dead. There's no way you can survive. Don't you remember Mount Sinai? Here's God showing up, and they don't die, and he's not killing people. Instead, what is he offering? Peace. And he's also offering his body, his scarred body. And even to this day, he carries those scars. And it's by those wounds and stripes that we're healed. It's by his blood. Now I wonder, if we're supposed to be like Christ, we should carry scars. Scars of love. Where other people take strikes at us and we don't strike back. Scars of love. Where the world takes a bite out of us. And is able to taste and see that the Lord is good even when they're not. I think that's exactly what he's calling us to. Isn't that how he commissions them? (laughs) Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. And also with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. It sounds like take up your cross, doesn't it? It sounds like what we talked about during Lent. Cruciform Christianity. You know, by the way, Easter is not just a day. It's a season. In fact, it's longer than Lent. That's good, isn't it? It's ten days longer, actually. Because notice that Jesus appears to people resurrected for 40 days. And then you have a span of ten He ascends at 40. You have a span of 10 days waiting on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, which we'll be celebrating. So as we're running toward Pentecost, notice what Jesus does here. He breathes on them. And says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now listen, to any any reader of the Old Testament and of the Bible, any Jew... They would have immediately heard echoes of of Genesis, right? 
Because what does God do? He forms man and then what? Breathes into man the breath of life. You know, I wish we could just like pause here for about an hour and go over mythological creation. Because it's all the same. We're the scum of the earth. We're the blood of a dead God. Um, we have, we're the snot of the gods. Like, I can go on. It gets nastier. And I won't because children are in the room. It's inappropriate. But we're never created in a good way. But Genesis has a super simple creation story. And it's one where God forms us with his own hands and breathes into us his very breath. I don't know if you can get any more intimate than that. And he does it again here. He's forming them. And he's breathing life into them. This is resurrection life. But then, but then, that's all hunky-dory. Then we get, now Thomas. Right? Verse 24. Now, it could have easily, I'm so glad I didn't live in the Bible days, really. Because then it would have been like, now Marshall. And everybody's got, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. One of the twelve, called Didymus, or the twelve, or her twin. He wasn't there. <laughs> of all, like, he missed Easter Sunday. <laughs> he didn't get to see the Lord. They, so the other side, man, dude, listen, we saw the Lord. He came right through the wall. He said, peace be with you. And he breathed on us. And he, this dude missed every bit of that. He missed it. He says, look, listen, I don't know. This is too much, man. Like, I, th- I think you guys might be delusional. Um, and I think we need to give him benefit of the doubt here. He says, unless I see his hands, mark of the nails, put my finger in his side, I'll never believe. And so he's been unfortunately dubbed Doubting Thomas for all of history. But notice, the story doesn't end there. 26. Eight days later. You know what day that, that's, that's the eighth day. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you this eighth day thing is something. Let me, let me share something from uh, Peter Lyle. He says, firstborn animals were dedicated to Yahweh on the eighth day after birth. Circumcision of males were done on what day? The eighth day. Aaron entered the priesthood on what? The eighth day. Lepers, those with discharges, women with flows of blood, were cleansed on the eighth day. The temple was dedicated and climaxed, the celebration did, on the eighth day. This eighth day thing, I'm telling you, God was preparing us. Hey, get ready for Sunday. Look, your week may have been long and difficult, but it's a new week. It's the eighth day. It's a new day, a new creation. And he has recreated all things in Jesus Christ. And so, eight days later, on the eighth day, which is again Sunday. So, get this real quick. Thomas is like, all right, y'all saw him? Because remember, Sunday didn't mean anything to them. Everybody with me? Saturday was everything. Sunday meant nothing. But it will here in a second. Because guess what? It was on Sunday that he wasn't in the tomb. It was on Sunday that he then showed up to them. And now it's the second Sunday of Easter. That's today, by the way. 
Second Sunday of Easter. And what happens? Disciples, they're all inside. They're all gathered again. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. What does he say? It's the third time he says it in the text. I think he wants us to remember something. Repetition is a great teacher. Peace be with you. It's also with you. There you go. I love it. So we might as well just say it. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas. He looks at Thomas directly. Put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. We're never told that Thomas actually did it. Jesus offered himself, but we're never told Thomas, I don't think he had to. I think when he saw the Lord, no, I don't need to. Instead, he proclaims the clearest confession of Jesus in the Gospel of John, maybe in the New Testament, and that is, my Lord and my God. Now, there's not many times when Jesus is proclaimed God in the New Testament, Gospels. But this is one of them. Now, some of his miracles we deduct, oh yeah, only God could do that. But here, you know, my Lord and my God. And guess what? Thomas also gets to be the first confessor after the eighth day. We're not told the other disciples called him Lord or God or anything, but Thomas gets that privilege. Why? Because his doubt actually led to faith. Your doubts don't have to lead to more doubts. They can lead somewhere. Doubting is part of being human. And the enemy can use it or God can use it. I would say if you doubt, you're like, man, I got just some really deep questions. Then search. Doesn't the Lord invite us? Search for me and you will find me. Remember Jeremiah 29? When you've searched with all your heart. I felt like in my season of darkness, the Lord was saying, I was saying, like, like God, where are you, man? Like, I, I, I'm not going to do anything big because I don't really know where you are. I don't know if you're going to the left or right or what. So I just kept doing what I knew to do. I wasn't going to make a big decision yet. But I felt like he was saying, well, I, I, I'll, I'll let you feel my presence again when your whole heart is in it. Well, it, it is, Lord. I'm already done with that. No, no, no. No, no, no. I want the whole heart. Every bit of it. The thoughts. I don't want you to have a separate category here, a separate compartment there. No, 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 the whole thing. I want all of you. He's a jealous God because he's a jealous lover. He wants all of us. And it's for the best of us. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have, seen, who have not seen and yet believed. Well, that's us. That's us. But notice, notice what's going on here. Thomas stands in for all of us. All of us want to see. Who doesn't want to see the risen Lord? Anybody? Like, it's okay that you would like to, you know, get a little glimpse of Jesus, like, in his body. I got news for you, you're not going to. Not yet. Not yet. 
Because he's already given us the biggest sign, and that is his church. That is his body. We don't like to think of it like that. But you want to see Christ? Come to the church. And we know the church is more than a building. But it's not less than the people of God. <laughs> in a building. In a place. Wherever that might be. It is the community of the believers. Brothers and sisters. Only unified by the Holy Spirit. And how beautiful. Remember running down the beard. All that good stuff. Unity. Only by the Spirit. The church. If you want to see where Christ is. Go to church. Why do I say that? Well, I mean, doesn't he appear on Sunday? And then doesn't he appear again on Sunday? Doesn't say Friday or Wednesday. No, this is the Lord's day. And if he's your Lord, you should make it a priority to be with the people of God because he says where two or three are gathered in my name, guess what? I'm there. I'm there. And that's testimony enough. Why do you think we begin all of our services this way? We're gathering in what? The name of Jesus Christ. See, that's on purpose. He's here. And he can be seen in acts of love and forgiveness and sacrament and singing and faith and hope. You see... Mary sees Jesus and witnesses to the disciples. And then the disciples see and witness to Thomas. Because their witness is reliable, we can believe Thomas when he sees and witnesses to us. We don't have to have another appearing. Because Jesus already told us, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. So today, believe the testimony of the church. Believe the apostolic witness. Believe those all throughout for 2,000 years. It doesn't matter if it's 5,000 years. We can still believe because we have accurate eyewitness testimony from those who were there. He is not here. He is risen. <laughs> and I think the best news of all is that when he comes and when he appears, even to you, He's not mad. God is not mad at you. When we see Jesus, we see God. God is Jesus. He's not mad. So if you have a false understanding of some angry God, some abusive father, get that out of your head. There's only one good father, and that is the Holy Father. The one that Jesus followed, heard, and is one with. No, he's not mad. Instead, he offers peace today. Do you have the peace of Christ today? Do you know that peace? Are you one with the Holy Father? If you're not, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to find him. He wants to be found. He wants to give us good gifts. So believe Believe in this everlasting life. That's why John ends the way he does. Jesus did many other signs. But I've written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, 
He's Christ. He's the Son of God. And that through believing, you will have life forevermore. Life everlasting. You have eternal life. Resurrection life. Oh, God, give us that life. And then when you get that life, he sends us out. That's what he does. Come and see. Go and be. (laughs) Come and see. Now, go and be. Which is why we send you out every single week. We send you out on purpose. Just like we sent these Stephen ministers. We're doing it on purpose. We're going out to be his hands and feet, to be Christ to the world, to be the living presence of God in the world, to bring his kingdom down. That's what you are. That's what I am. Those baptized in his name, those alive in him, that's who we are, brothers and sisters in the faith. Mm, God bless you, and may you find his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to respond to this word with a song because as Christians we sing.